it's good to be back with you here for Watership Down class. Uh, and uh, in theory, we're finishing with book two. Um, and I wanted to just mention at the beginning, and I'll mention it again at the end, um, next week is the first of our sort of, uh, you know, extra sessions, um, which is, you know, I usually schedule those every once in a while um, in case we need time to catch up and also, and more importantly, uh, to be able to address issues and topics that you guys have. Um, in the last couple of classes, I haven't been getting as many emails from you guys as I have in the past, and I would be really interested to, uh, uh, to hear some of the things that you guys have to say. Um, if you if there are topics because I mean of course as we're going through the story there are particular themes and ideas that I'm really interested in that I've been kind of you know uh, tracking as we've been going through the books goodness knows there are plenty of topics and questions that I'm not you know haven't really chosen uh, to address as we go through but would would be perfectly interesting to talk about so if there's something that interests you that we haven't really hit on or whatever I would be very happy uh, to uh, to hear what you guys wanted to talk about and see if we can make some time next week um, I've been doing a little better than usual I have to say so far in uh, in, in in staying on course so, uh, yeah, Neil, it is this Wednesday, so it's not actually next week. It's next class, uh, which is at this point now, yes, you're right, in like three days or four days. So, um, uh, yeah, 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 that's the, that is the class I mean, Neil. So, that's the, so hence, the more urgency uh, for you to send me emails uh, for me to address in that class. So, um, so please do, uh, please do let me know what you would like to talk about. Um, uh, send your emails to Olson at MythGuard.org, uh, and I will see how many uh, questions and discussion topics we can get to uh, in class next time before then we move on to book three, the following class. So, just, again, I just wanted to remind you, please do uh, send me your emails. And because I, I, I know, for instance, that there are, there are many times that people make observations or say things in the questions box that I don't have a chance to, because I can't ever respond to everybody. So, um, I uh, again, if there's something that you said that I missed over, feel free to send it to me. It's another good thing uh, to do, another good thing to send me. Um, okay. So, let's... Uh, let's, let's carry on. There were a couple things we didn't get to last time, but I hope to actually to come back to those uh, in, uh, in the course of things tonight, rather than starting with them at the beginning. I want to start tonight with the raid on, uh, uh, on Nuthanger Farm, and um, I, I find this to be a really interesting moment in the story. We were looking at sort of the development of Hazel, uh, and you know, the development of Hazel's leadership, um, the the sort of the relationship that the rest of the rabbits have with Fiverr and Fiverr's talents, Fiverr's gifts. Uh, I remember uh, Tom Hillman objecting to uh, the parallel between Fiverr and Cassandra back in the first class, saying that, of course, what marked Cassandra was that nobody believed her, and, of course, there is at least one person who believes Fiverr, which was uh, which was Hazel at the beginning, um, and uh, you know. So although of course the three are uh, and the majority of the Warren didn't heed Fiverr's warning um, at the beginning of the story, nevertheless um, 
he has not been Cassandra in the sense that people do in fact listen to him and take him seriously. We looked, of course, at the crisis that these two, Hazel in his leadership and Fiverr in his sort of prophetic role, at the, 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 the crisis of that in the Warren of the Snares and Cowslip's Warren at the end of book one. Um, and, you know, of course, the main thing that I was focusing on there was the way in which Hazel is disregarding Fiverr and how I, you know, I called it sort of a, the, the, the real, the, the, the first real test of the, the, the rest of the rabbit's sort of faith in Fiverr which had never really, although they had followed him, um, him and Hazel, from the, the old Warren, hadn't ever really reached its test. That test of, are you going to believe what Fiverr says, even when he's telling you something you really don't want to hear? Um, you know, remember I was arguing that uh, they all kind of did want to hear. They all kind of did want to leave the, Warren, the old Warren anyway. Um, so they hadn't really gotten to that test. The Nuthanger farm raid um, is something that I, I, I think is more complicated than that. On the one hand, um, it might look like a kind of a recapitulation, right? Here's, uh, you know, uh, Hazel wants to do this thing. He's got his heart set on doing this thing. Fiverr tells him, no, don't. It's not a, it's not a good idea. Um, and he does it. He disregards Fiverr's advice, and he does it anyway, and almost gets killed. And again, it seems like a, a, a sort of a, a, a recapitulation, and, and Hazel making the same wrong choice. But I don't think that that's the case. I think that this is a great deal more complicated than that. Um, and for that reason, I find this moment um, a really a really interesting one. And I, I want to start off looking at that. I want to start off looking at that carefully and trying to evaluate where are we... How exactly are we left? What is our response to this? What do we take from this? What is the story really giving us here about principally Hazel and Fiverr, but um, as the raid itself was principally Hazel's idea, and then of course the great rescue of Hazel is sort of Fiverr alone, or Fiverr beyond, one of my favorite chapter titles in the book. But um, uh, anyway, where exactly are we left with this. Um, remember that passage at the beginning of, that I, we talked about at the beginning of last class, um, that comes right in, in the beginning of the first chapter of book two. You know, the one that says, like, you know, there was no more, uh, there was no more questioning of Hazel's authority, Fiverr's insight, Bigwig's strength, uh, right, you remember that like or, or, Blackberry's intelligence, like everybody's, everybody has their roles, and everybody's, everybody's now solid in them. That was the state after you know that's that that's the state that was established by their time in the Warren of the Snares, by the lessons that they learned in the Warren of the Snares. Now, nobody questions those things anymore. Okay, so that was the result. That's kind of where that that passage seems to suggest to us pretty clearly where we emerge from that, right? What, if you want to put it this way, I, I dislike putting it this way because it makes it sound really crude and pedantic, which it isn't, but sort of what lessons we're supposed to take from that, right? What was kind of the take-home? What's the take-home of the, of the Nuthanger Farm raid? To me, it's much less clear, um, and I'll be interested to see what you guys think about this. Um, so I want to look at a few passages to try to sort of set this up uh, uh, and, and understand this a little bit more clearly. 
so here's Hazel's motivations uh, for doing the thing in the first place. A spirit of happy mischief entered into Hazel. He felt as he had on the morning when they crossed the Enborn, and he had set out alone and found the bean field. He was confident and ready for adventure. But what adventure? Something worth telling to Holly and Silver on their return. Something to, well, not to diminish what they were going to do. No, of course not. But just to show them that their chief rabbit was up to anything that they were up to. He thought it over as he hopped down the bank and sniffed out a patch of salad burnet in the grass. What now would be likely to give them just a little, not unpleasant, shock? Suddenly, he thought, suppose when they got back that there were one or two does here already. And in the same moment, he remembered what Kehar had said about a box full of rabbits at the farm. Okay. Now, how do we take this? What do we take from this? What is the meant? This, this is the beginning, right? This is the beginning of the whole of the whole series of that of that whole the, the whole Nuthanger Farm sequence. This is the moment it pops into Hazel's mind. What are the cues that we get from this? How are we? How is this framed for us? What do we notice here? Um, Philip Lord says it, uh, it seems like Hazel was showing off, like he wanted to show Holly up. Um, since uh, Hazel knew the other rabbits would not let him go to the other war, and yes, remember there was that passage, Philip, you're right, where Hazel was recognized, you know, when they were trying to decide whom to send on the embassy uh, to, to Africa, and, you know, he knew that he wasn't going to be allowed to go. And then, remember, it says, you know, he kind of recognized, uh, that actually, it's probably for the best, because the other Warren is going to respect a chief rabbit that, you know, runs his own errands in that way, so, you know, that's fine. But, um, uh, anyway, um, yeah, yeah, so, so, so I agree, Philip, there's, you know, there is a sort of a sense of compensation there, um, that he wants, he wants to, he wants to, to, to sort of compensate for that. Philip, you su seem to suggest uh, you're not using this word, so it's okay if, if you can tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth. But um, it seems like you're you're basically suggesting that Hazel is is falling victim to pride here. You know that he is uh, um, being proud, even possibly selfish, as you said, showing off, wanting to show up, Holly. Um, there's that sense. There is clearly that sense of competition, right? It's not just, hey, I want to have an adventure because adventures are fun, right? It's not just that. It's clear that one of the primary things motivating him is that desire to compete, in a sense, with Holly and Silver. Um, so, but I think there's more. There's, there's, there's. It's not just that. Um, Neil Ottenstein says. Um, Thinking, I think uh, Neil, you're thinking of the the spirit of happy mischief entering into Hazel, um, and uh, you know Neil says the spi the spirit of Elahera. It kind of sounds like the spirit of Elahera, right? Um, and this is where I think one of the things we have to be careful about when we are evaluating um, any of the things that go on here. We're 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 far enough in now. Right, we're we're in the second half of book two of this book, and thinking about what we discussed last time, you know, like 
10 years ago when we last had class, which I can scarcely remember. Um, but, uh, but anyway, uh, we, we, uh, when we, in our, in our last class, we were talking, you know, I was, I was emphasizing the way in which, uh, Richard Adams is building this really rich secondary world, the way in which he's, he's really instructing us, uh, and really sort of inviting us imaginatively to, to, to see the world through rabbit eyes, right? And to, um, to really get into the rabbit spirit of things. I think it's important when we're evaluating all of these sequences that we remember the rabbit framework and not remove these these uh, these things from that framework, right? For instance, if you had a human leader, right, who risked himself in the way that Hazel does, only because he was overtaken by a spirit of happy mischief. I mean. That seems kind of frivolous, doesn't it? I mean, the spirit of ha like mischief? Like, you just want to cause trouble? You just want to run risk for the sake of the fun of it? Come on now, man. You know, like, that's not good leadership. I mean, it's one, is, one would be tempted to say that, right? But, Neil, I think you make a great point. That's kind of exactly how El Herrera acts, right? Um, it's, it's that spirit of happy mischief seems to be very much... A rabbit spirit. I don't see, you know, thinking of, you know, all of those, you know, and because I, I, I do still always go back to the stories of El Herrera as our primary grounding in rabbit culture. And when I look at the rabbit culture that we see there, I don't see at all um, Hazel acting in contradiction of it. Even remember the comment um, that. Uh, sort of tossed up, that, that, that the narrator sort of tosses off when, when Hazel and Pipkin are coming back. Uh, they're on their way home from their first visit to the hutch. And, uh, and they, they, they stop and they, they eat uh, some of the Swedes uh, that are in the shed there. Um, because no self-respecting rabbit could possibly, you know, come into a farm and not, like, look around for something, you know, and not, and not steal something. Uh, and not look around for something to eat. Um, this is what rabbits do, right? I mean, to, to do that is not to be greater, you know, to rise above, uh, is, is to sink below rabbitry, right? I mean, it's so I don't think that we're supposed to see that as a bad thing at all, especially, remember the context that we're given for it. He felt as he had on the morning when they crossed the Enborn, and he had set out alone and found the bean field. In that sequence, you know, this is that's right in Hazel's first day of leadership, right? Um, but it was his 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 going, his running their risks for them. Remember Dandelion's first praise, right? When he goes to that bend in the path in the woods for the first time, and Dandelion praises him, saying, "Running our risks for us, are you Hazel like Elahera?" Um, that's what he's doing when he goes to the bean field, right? So that's what El Herrera does. And Philip is quoting the you know the chief rabbit is supposed to be El Herrera to his warren, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Even the even the um, <clears throat> even the desire to show up holly and silver, right? Again, we might say, okay, oh, there's a that's a failure in humility, right? Or that's petty, right? Is it petty? Um, 
remember what happens, and I didn't quote this passage for you, but remember what happens when Hazel returns, you know, he returns from death right the first time, he comes up uh, back to the Warren uh, after uh, recovering from being shot uh, at the end of book two, um, and he gets kind of tussled, or, you know, they all press in on him and he gets kind of tussled around and he has that moment where he says like you know where he was realizing that even you know perhaps the other rabbits don't even recognize consciously what they're doing but one of the things that they're doing is testing his strength to see if the chief rabbit can still perform you know I mean is he still himself um, can he stand up to them in this Warren the chief rabbit is not the one is not the strongest, right? This is not, you know, what I called back in book one the toad flax principle, right? Um, you know, th these are my claws, so this is my cowslip. Remember, as 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 Hazel said back in book one, um, the principles of this new Warren have been from the beginning uh, by Hazel's determination. Um, it's not just going to be that the strongest will rule the weakest. So the chief rabbit has not, you know, he has not become Chief Rabbit because he is strongest. So it's not that kind of, but, but that's still, that's still a traditional way. The Chief Rabbit has to show that he is worthy of respect. And there's a kind of simplicity in that. Um, remember there, again, there are several times when, uh, and, and again, it's, it's in some of these touches that I find, um, Adam's really, really strong in not simply falling into a beast fable mode, right? Not simply falling into, this is really a human society that we're talking about. They're still kind of dressed up as rabbits, but really, you know, these kind of people we're talking, these are not people that we're talking about, right? And he consistently recalls to us the way they think is completely different, not just their level of experience. I mean, that was some of the things I was talking about, like that passage we looked at last time where Hazel was looking at the clouds go by and all that kind of thing, right? I don't just mean things like that. But their psychology, the way that they look at the world, um, the the way that they talk about does as breeding stock, right? The sort of casualness with which they say things like, "Do you think they'll be any good?" Right? Um, and he's you know pointing out, "Look, this is they are at the end of the day, they're animals, and this is what they're thinking about." Right? They don't have the same sensibilities of human beings. Um, and although you know rabbits will mate for life and you know and become and and be devoted to each other, we're told that this happens. You know, he says this happens more often than people realize. Nevertheless, they don't. They're not romantic in the same way that human beings are. They don't have any of those same those same senses, um, and so they don't think in the same ways. Similarly, the the the. You know, he says they would drive me out, right? He, you know, he he realizes that they would drive him out, and they'd be right to drive him out if he couldn't still hack it, right? He has to show his worth in order to be worthy of being, in order to remain Chief Rabbit, right? So this idea of showing up Holly and Silver, of uh, <clears throat> notice, you know. The, the mere fact that he says something to, well, not to diminish what they were going to do. No, of course not. That shows Hazel's humility, right? He is humble. Um, and we see his humility all the time in the way that he takes things on himself, right? He, you know, like the way he is always the first one, for instance, to go and clean out the wounds of other rabbits. You notice how Hazel's always the one who does this? Not always, not only showing that he's more thoughtful and forward-thinking than a lot of the other uh, rabbits are, but but that he takes, you know, 
in a sense, sort of menial jobs on himself. Um, he doesn't just send somebody else to do it. He sees something that needs doing, and he will lead by action. Um, so we see his humility in that way. It's not like he's holding himself aloof or considering himself better. But at the same time, he's got to stay up to snuff. If he just sits around and Holly is the hero, um, and Holly is, I mean, Holly is clearly, in one sense, his greatest competition. Bigwig, of course, um, was initially the competition, right? It was, it was from, from the beginning, when they left the Warren, that was the big question. Is it Bigwig or is it Hazel, right? And that was really, in a sense, a question of, what kind of model are we going to follow in this Warren, right? What kind of Warren are we? Are we a Warren where the strongest buck becomes the, the chief rabbit? Because if so, that's obviously bigwig. No one's even going to argue with that. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw Sarah's, uh, Sarah Lagarde's comment that the paws of the king are the paws of a healer. Exactly, exactly. And, and so shall the rightful chief rabbit be known. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, uh, you know, so our, 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 the, the, the choice between Bigwig and, 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 and Hazel was between, uh, you know, which, which, what sort of philosophy were they going to have. It's not, it's not, Bigwig is no threat anymore. Right, because that's been clearly established. They're not going in that direction. And what's much more important, Bigwig now has personal loyalty to Hazel. There is no he is not going to supplant Hazel, no matter what happens. Right, and the moment more than any other where that is cemented is the one where Hazel goes out to meet the Black Rabbit of Inlay, who is calling uh, for Bigwig. Right, when Bigwig is paralyzed with fear when he hears his name called out of the darkness by, of course, what turns out to be Holly. Um, so, uh, so again, so Bigwig now no longer you know that's been worked out and worked out in the most amiable possible way. But now Holly comes in part of the old leadership structure of the old Warren, and not only just that he, you know, has that kind of uh, mantle, you know, from the Sandalford Warren, uh, being presumably the heir apparent of the three era. I mean, remember, of course, Chief Rabbit is not passed down, there's no sense of heredity there, right? I mean, it's not like the three era has an heir. Um, that When the three era died, and he was quite old, we were told, the next most competent rabbit was going to take over. If you think about it, I mean, all indications are that that's Holly, right? That Holly was the chief rabbit heir apparent of the Sandalford Warren. And it's clear that Holly is the second best leader in Watership Down, even though Bigwig is still the biggest and strongest. But, but clearly, uh, Holly, it makes perfect sense, right? And when they think Hazel's dead, the fact that they turn to Holly when he returns, and he mentions that several people have approached and asked if he would be Chief Rabbit, is perfect, is absolutely the logical choice, which, again, makes it the more logical that Hazel wants to compete with him, in a sense almost needs to compete with him. Um, so, again, it's one of the things... Um, I think, you know, in many of my own earlier readings of Watership Down, I have kind of negligently thrown off this incident, the incident of, of the Nuthanger Farm raid, as a kind of a another sort of sort of growing pains for uh, for Hazel um, and his uh, and his leadership um, of the Warren, um, and it is in a sense, but but that is to say, I was sort of tossing it off as 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 
just a mistake. Fortunately, a lesser one than the one he was making in the Warren of the Snares, lesser one for the for the Warren as a whole, though much more serious for himself personally, of course, uh, as he was almost killed. But uh, um, but anyway, I, I I've I. I've been really rethinking that, and you know, as we've been discussing the book together, and I've been thinking a little more carefully and a little more thoroughly and consistently about the way in which um, the uh, the this whole sort of secondary world is being built. Um, I I've really sort of come to question that. I th I almost everything we see here. I don't think there's much in this paragraph here that really is a clear unquestionable red flag from within the rabbit standpoint um, I'm just really not sure that that's the case Josh Evans says it really well he seems to want to show his value yes yes exactly he does want to show his value and that's good that's necessary that's important actually um, yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, good, Carolyn, uh, thinking of the, the sort of the spirit of happy mischief and everything Carolyn Morehouse was quoting, and from that day to this, no power on earth can keep a rabbit out of a vegetable garden, for El Herrera prompts them with a thousand tricks, the best in the world. Um, yeah, that's the, uh, the closing line of the story of the King's Lettuce, right? So again, as those stories of El Herrera are our clearest touchstones of rabbit culture, um, that sort of compulsion to go and to to go and raid the farm, yeah, I, to, I like to eat the Swedes, but even that this impulse to go and 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 perform this very different kind of raid um, to the farm, um, raiding farms. This is what this is what rabbits do, right? I mean, this is it's it's not only normal. Um, but it's uh, but it's good. But it's positive. Um, Mike Thoroway says uh, Hazel doesn't want to diminish Holly and Silver's bravery, but he needs to find the right carefully find the right carefully calibrated example of his own bravery, um, just to show them, just a little, not unpleasant. Yes, exactly. Uh, 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 style time, Mike, emphasizing the word "just" there, which I think is is important. Um, that repetition he is trying to find the right balance and again I think here's where we can see Hazel being not rash but judicious actually right um, he doesn't want to diminish it but he wants to show uh, I'm not just gonna be idle I'm not just gonna sit around and wait while other people do the important dangerous stuff right I'm going to do that which is in my power um, while this other thing is going on now, Carita thinks that uh, there's more pride in him ignoring Fiverr than in his in his desire to compete with Holly. Um, and I agree, especially after the Warren of the Snares, the disagreement with Fiverr we have to take really seriously. So let's um let's 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 look at that. Here's his discussion with Fiverr on his return. Um, that is, you know, the morning after he sneaks back with Pipkin and and uh, just goes back down his. Uh, in, in his burrow, the burrow that he still shares with Fiverr, as he used to in the old Warren. Um, and here's his conversation when they wake up. Um, Fiverr just asked him where he was. Oh, I went foraging down the hill, eating Swedes, and your feet smell of farmyard, hens' droppings, and bran. 
But there's some other funny thing besides, something I can't smell. What happened? Well, I had a bit of a brush with a cat, but why worry? Because you're concealing something, Hazel, something dangerous. It's Holly that's in danger, not I. Why bother about me? Holly, replied Fiverr in surprise. But Holly and the others reached the big warren early yesterday evening. Kehart told us. Do you mean to say you didn't know? Hazel felt fairly caught out. Well, I know now, he replied. I'm glad to hear it. So it comes to this, said Fiverr. You went to a farm yesterday and escaped from a cat, and whatever you were up to, it was so much on your mind that you forgot to ask about Holly last night. Okay. That seems to be a fault, right? That, in fact, as Fiverr fairly accuses him, it was so much on your mind that you forgot to ask about Holly. Um, so he, so he is so caught up in his idea of the raid and so pleased with himself for his successful, uh, uh, you know, a reconnaissance trip to Nuthanger Farm uh, that the, the, this other hugely important thing that, you know, the journey of Holly and the uh, envoys uh, to Afrifa slipped his mind, right? Um, that, um, uh, that definitely seems to be a problem. I'm still not ready to, um, uh, I'm still not ready to call it a major fault on Hazel's part. I mean, it's a pro it's, it's a problem. It does seem to be a bit of a cue, I think, that is, it does suggest that he's, uh, he is being distracted, like his priorities are not quite right. It's not a bad thing for him to want to do this, for him to have this impulse to raid the farm, um, but for him to lose sight of what Holly's doing, that seems to be a bad thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, Nancy Fosberg says it stands out because Hazel's style of leadership depends so much on checking in with everyone. Um, I agree. It is in that way. It's something not only that seems like a, a bad thing, but, but Nancy, as you say, it's a very, uh, very uncharacteristic of Hazel thing, right? You know, coming from him, it seems particularly important. Um, uh, Ethan Piles willing to go so far as calling it shirking in his leadership responsibilities for the sake of his own personal enterprise. Uh, tough but fair, that seems to me. I think that that's an accusation that can be made to stick uh, on Hazel here. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> Carolyn says it sort of sounds like Fiverr has caught Hazel having an affair. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's well, he's, he's, he's fairly caught out, right? He's the, and, and, and to me, the other really interesting thing we mentioned is, look, why is Hazel concealing this at all? Of course, as Carita says, um, uh, his, uh, the, trying to pull the wool over the eyes of a rabbit with second sight is a little bit silly. Um, yes, yes, that, that's not uh, perhaps the wisest thing that Hazel's ever done. But again, the bigger question to me is, why? Why, why didn't he tell Fiverr right away? Right? Why is it that he was trying to hide it? from Fiverr. Um, that too, in fact, really seems to me like an even bigger warning sign uh, than the other. So, okay, so it seems clear that we're not supposed to just be too big thumbs up on the Nuthanger farm raid, or at least on Hazel's attitude towards it, right? Um, although, again, I don't think 
that the initial introduction gave us a lot of really overwhelming negatives, didn't send up a whole lot of red flags, those are two that I think are legitimately troublesome. Why is he concealing this from Fiverr? Um, and I mean, why didn't, for instance, he might have asked Fiverr first? I mean, doesn't that seem like what Hazel might usually have done? Um, but part of that spirit of mischief seemed to be that desire to go off and do something entirely himself, right? Um, which, again, we you know we talked about being linked to that impulse to show his worth as Chief Rabbit, right? That he alone, not just <clears throat> because Fiverr told him it was safe, um, that in a sense going without telling Fiverr or asking Fiverr might even in sort of increase, at least in his own mind, uh, the sort of, uh, you know, gutsiness of the whole enterprise, um, the whole riskiness. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Daniel Bear says, taking risks is important not only for himself, but others if they are to survive as a warren. It's only when he loses complete sight of others that he might hurt others. Yeah, I agree, Daniel. You know, somebody was, uh, I forget, was it Neil who was saying earlier that, you know, of course, uh, when I was talking about, you know, how, it, you know, I, I, a human leader shouldn't just go out on adventures. Um, and uh, somebody was was uh, making a Star Trek reference and saying that yes, that that's why Picard never went with the away team. Right, exactly. Um, but that, again, that's not the rabbit way, right? Um, for the uh, if you have a chief rabbit who just never runs any risks, that's a bad sign. Um, the fact that the three era never got his own lettuces anymore, but that other rabbits like Holly went and uh, routinely read the garden, led the garden raids and, and carried the lettuce back to the chief rabbit, um, shows that, uh, um, uh, shows that that's, that's, um, uh, I mean, I, I think it's sort of a sign that the three era is slipping a bit. Um, but um, but yeah, as Mike uh, Thoroway points out, Hazel has lost touch of who is in danger, when, and why, and that's not really uh, uh, that's not really a good thing. Yeah, Nancy um, says, I guess that's why they kept saying the three row was getting old. Yes, exactly. He had built up this fund of respect um, within the Warren clearly, uh, and and had appeared by the stories that we heard before um, to deserve it, <clears throat> both for his strong and judicious leadership as in his ruthless saving of most of the Warren when the white blindness came in before, but also the way, you know, that, that he, uh, he boldly, uh, you know, led the stoat into the farm and, uh, you know, and onto the, the, the farmer's gun. Um, you know, he was, the, the, the three era used to be a go-getter back in the day, right? Um, but, um, but not anymore. Um, Yes, and uh, both Nancy and Carolyn were pointing out um, that uh, about the significance of his picking of Pipkin to go with him. Exactly. Um, bo both uh, Carolyn and, and Nancy pointing out that he picked Pipkin specifically because he knew Pipkin wouldn't question him and Fiverr would. Um, <clears throat> so yes, he wanted an accessory because he, he knew it would be safest and better would be prudent to bring someone else to help. But he didn't want anybody who would sort of detract from what he was, he wanted this to be a solo exploit. Um, and yeah, Fiverr might, uh, well really think about it. What happens if he asks Fiverr, right? If he asks Fiverr, it's a lose-lose situation, 
because I mean for for what he feels that he wants to do um, for sort of again this sort of establishing himself uh, as chief rabbit in their new warren uh, if he asks Fiverr and Fiverr says yes I think this is a good idea it's perfectly safe go ahead well there goes the risk and adventure right <laughs> that's not that's not very Herrera like anymore and if he asks Fiverr and Fiverr says no, Hazel, you should not do this. This is a terrible... I, I have this sense that this will lead to disaster. And he's like, okay, then I won't go. Well, then what is he? Right now he's just tied to Fiverr's apron strings, right? So, um, so no, no, no. It's, it's, it's not having Fiverr know um, that, um, uh, that that is so important. Right, and again, and 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 in ways which which seem selfish, right? Because they're about him wanting to prove himself. They're about sort of his own establishing his own image, um, which again, though, as I as I keep pointing out, is I think not necessarily a really bad thing. Um, but um, but anyway, we do, as I see, as I said, see in this conversation a. Uh, some 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 clear signs that it's not in fact uh, an unmitigatedly good thing, but let's let's keep going. Well, all right, Fiverr, I'll tell you all about it. I took Pipkin and went to that farm that Kehar told us about, where there are rabbits in a hutch. I found the rabbits and talked to them, and I've taken a notion to go back one night and get them out to come and join us here. What for? Well, two of them are does. That's what for. But if Holly's successful, we shall soon have plenty of does, and from all I've ever heard of hutch rabbits, they don't take easily to wildlife. The truth is, you're just a silly show-off. A silly show-off, said Hazel. Well, we'll just see whether Bigwig and Blackberry think so. Risking your life and other rabbits' lives for something that's of little to or no value to us, said Fiverr. Oh yes, of course the others will go with you. You're their chief rabbit. You're supposed to decide what's sensible, and they trust you. Persuading them will prove nothing, but three or four dead rabbits will prove you're a fool when it's too late. Tough words from Fiverr here, right? Silly show-off. Ouch. Just as a... Notice, uh, notice, Mike, your word just comes back in here, right? The truth is you're just a silly show-off, where Hazel before was using, was, was looking for just the right thing, right? Finding precisely the right balance. Uh, now that word just comes back around dismissively, right? You are just a silly show-off. Um, uh, ouch. Ouch. Um... Uh, <laughs> Karina says, it's, ni it's nice to see Fiverr gain confidence. The truth is, you are just a silly show-off is a big change from just as you think, Hazel. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Fiverr is definitely, uh, is definitely growing up uh, here. Um, but a couple things to notice here. Notice the differences between this and the conversations that Hazel and Fiverr had at the Warren of the Snares. This is clearly not just a question of, well, Hazel didn't actually learn the lessons he seemed to learn at the Warren of the Snares, right? And I think that the thing is different on both sides, that it's on both Hazel's side and on Fiverr's side. On Hazel's side, we do get that similar sense of, of sort of the danger of his own pride, you know, I was talking about his pride um, in the Warren of the Snares, that I do think that we see him so fixated on what others think of him, 
right? And are they going to sh to they meaning cowslip in the new uh, the new rabbits? Um, are they going to you know respect me as the chief rabbit of these you know of these new rabbits who've come in? Um, and uh, you know are they just going to think us uh, you know a ragged bunch of wanderers? Um, he, he was so focused on that <clears throat> that he was overlooking or not taking seriously a lot of very serious things. Fiverr also, although he couldn't articulate, he couldn't figure out exactly what the problem was, yet he knew really clearly that there was something desperately wrong here. And from the very first moment that the issue, <clears throat> that the issue arose, before they decided even to go visit Cowslip, Fiverr was saying we should have nothing to do with that rabbit in his warren. He was speaking in clear, unequivocal, prophetic terms, stating with the fullness of his prophetic authority that he had, which, as we saw, wasn't all that much at the time, that this was clearly wrong. That's not what we get here. Notice that that's not what we get from Fiverr. Um, he called... He, calls, uh, Daniel, that's a great way of saying it. Daniel Bear says, this is a warning as a brother, not as a prophet. Yes, the truth is you're just a silly show-off. Sounds like one brother to another, right? And not in a sibling rivalry sense, but in a behind-closed-doors, I'm-going-to-say-what-I-wouldn't-say-in-public kind of sense, right? Um, uh, yes, exactly. He's advice, he, he, he disapproves of what Hazel has done. He believes it to be unwise. He's not speaking as a prophet, right? He doesn't have any clear sense here. Um, notice he's just reasoning in that last paragraph, um, risking your life and other rabbits' lives for something that's of little or no value to us. Whoa, okay, hang on, Fiverr. That's something that could be discussed here, right? Um, Hazel clearly differs in his opinion with him on that. Right? Hazel thinks that it's like a no-brainer, right? You know, well, two of them are does. That's what, that's what for, right? Like, why are you even asking why would I do this? Isn't it obvious why we would? Is I mean, yes, okay, it's it's in the nature of rabbits to raid gardens. I'm suggesting an unusual raid. Like, we're going to raid the hutch of those other rabbits in order to bring those two does back to our warren. That's not what rabbits normally do. It's a more grandiose version of what rabbits normally do. And with a very hazel-like forward thinking, it's the kind of thing that, it's the kind of outside, outside the box thinking has a slightly different uh, 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 and uh, appropriate application in this instance. But anyway, it's, it's, it's unusual thinking for a rabbit, though in the same, in, in the same, in the traditional lines, right? At the end of the day, it's a farm raid. Um, so he wants to do a very normal rabbit thing, taken to a higher level, but for a higher reason, right? This all that seems sound, in you know, taken on its own, that seems sound. You could, I mean, Fiverr's position is defensible, right? To say like, well, how how much good are hutch rabbits going to be anyway? I mean, a Will they even make it all the way back? Remember, that was, that was a question. They barely made it back, although, you know, just being able to travel from the farm to Watership Down was a major challenge for the Hutch Rabbits. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's it's really risky, um, and the payoff is not that great. You know, you can make arguments on both sides, but it's just an argument. It's not a question of, you know, I am telling you 
from my prophetic vision do not have anything to do with that rabbit or his warren like he did um, with cowslip and the warren and the snares. Um, so again, I think it, it, it's it's clearly it's the the pattern seems to be the same on the surface, but I think that that's pretty superficial. Um, and although Fiverr does have some good points here, again, I'm not sure. I don't find Fiverr's argument totally convincing. Um, of course, the others will go with you. You're their chief rabbit. Are they going to go with Hazel just because they bow to Hazel's wisdom? Like Hazel says, this is a good idea, and they're all going to say, yes, okay, because you're the chief rabbit. You know, like you know, he said, you know, Fiverr says you're supposed to decide what's sensible, and they trust you, right? Um, but notice what we see when he shares it with them is. Not like, wow, we never would have, you know, like, you know, we would have thought that was a terrible idea, but if you say so, it must be great. We don't see compliance, right? We see them immediately entering, entering into the spirit of happy mischief that Hazel had. Um, their response seems to be, in many ways, very sort of typically rabbit-like. Very, again, very Elohera-ish. Um, so, um... Uh, yeah, now Gerald Michael asks a really interesting question. Is the value of the raid the does themselves or the act of getting them? Well, it depends on who you know, Gerald, in that sense, it's a win-win situation from Hazel's point of view, right? Um, it shows his worth as a chief rabbit, and it accomplishes something concrete for the Warren. Fiverr's argument is exactly the opposite of that, right? This is a big risk of, you know, you, Hazel, are one of the most important assets of this Warren, and it's a huge risk of one of our most important current assets in order to gain an asset which may or may not turn out to be worth anything at all, right? Um, those are two perfectly legitimate sides of this question, I think. Um, and to me, it's not obvious to me who wins this argument. I mean, it's clear who gets the last word in this argument, right? Hazel just sort of backs down and says, okay, um, uh, okay, brother, you know, whatever. Um, but um, I don't, um, but it's not obvious to me when we leave this argument that we as readers are, again, like it was in the Warren of the Snares, right? When they're not listening to Fiverr, it's really clear that they should be. I, we get all kinds of clues that Fiverr should be taken seriously, and that and and that Hazel's choice not to take him seriously is a big deal. Um, but um, but I don't think I don't think that that's really the case here. Um, now, here's the compromise. Look here, answered Hazel. Have you got one of your bad turns about the farm? If you have, why not say so straight out? Then we'd all know where we were. I've no feelings about the farm one way or another, said Fiverr, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's all right. The feelings come when they will. They don't always come. Not for the Lendry, not for the Crow. If it comes to that, I've no idea what's happening to Holly and the others. It might be good or bad, but there's something that frightens me about you yourself, Hazel. Just you, not any of the others. You're all alone, sharp and clear, like a dead branch against the sky. Well, if you mean you can see trouble for me and not for any of the others, tell them, and I'll leave it to them to decide whether I ought to keep out of it. But that's giving up a lot, Fiverr, you know. Even with your word for it, someone's bound to think I'm afraid. 
See, that's another moment. At first, superficially, or rather, my knee-jerk response to that, I won't say it's a superficial response, but my knee-jerk response to that, again, from a people framework, is like, oh, come on, Hazel, you're bigger than that, right? You know, like, someone's bound to think I'm afraid. Like, how childish is that? Like, wh what are you, still in middle school, right? Like, you're like, oh, well, like, he dared me to do it, and I don't want him to think I'm chicken, right? It's like, come on, let's, let's, let's rise above this, Hazel, right? It makes Hazel sound petty. But I don't, but, but that, I think, is just a knee-jerk, uh, an anthropocentric reaction to this. For a chief rabbit, that's a big deal. Um, for someone to think that the chief rabbit is afraid to go on a dangerous mission um, is a serious threat to his authority, possibly something which could seriously destabilize the entire Warren. Um, it is, I think, a really legitimate, um, a really legitimate concern. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thomas points out that Hazel isn't really that old. Maybe he is in middle school. No, 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 no. Clearly not. He's an adult. He's like a full year old. I mean, what do you want? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, he's clearly come of age. Rabbits uh, obviously come of age uh, not at age 33, but at age 1. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Carita makes a great observation. Um, the dead branch against the sky image um, sounds a lot like uh, Pipkin's trees in November um, comparison. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree that it's that one image. So notice he doesn't say, I have no prophetic insight, just advice, right? And Daniel, again, I think was very good about emphasizing that before, that, you know, the prophet speaks the truth, the brother just gives his opinion, right? Um, and I think that we can see that happening here. But there's this one thing that he does utter something like a prophetic, you know, he has received something, and that is this image of Hazel, just you, not any of the others, you're alone, sharp and clear, like a dead branch against the sky. Now, and Hazel pushes him, if you mean you see trouble for me, tell them and I'll leave it to them to decide whether I ought to keep out of it, right? Go ahead and make it public, right? If you've got one of your visions, make it public. Um, and uh, and notice he says, you know, he says that that's giving up a lot, right? Now notice making it public is good for him, right? If he just comes to them and say, you know, he's taught suggested the idea of the raid, and they're all pumped up about it. If he comes back to them and was like. Actually, I'm going to stay here. You y'all, y'all go have a good time, right? That's going to be incomprehensible. That's going to be a serious blow to his authority, right? Like, what gives with that? But they all know Fiverr now, right? So if Fiverr comes out and's like, um, I've got a dead branch against the sky image with Hazel on this, everyone else will be like, okay, Hazel, how about you stay home, right? You know, you know, or, or rather, again, he will leave it to them to decide. Right, um, so that he shows his willingness, but also his wisdom in submitting to uh, to to Fiverr's prophetic authority and to the uh, to sort of to the will of the whole Warren. Um, that all that this that that's a really kind of cunning move 
by Hazel shows that he's sort of thinking politically as he should think as the chief rabbit. Um, but now notice where what Fiverr comes back with when he's he Hazel's just offered make your your foreboding public right and Fiverr responds with only well I say it's not worth the risk Hazel back to the brother's opinion right their difference of views on the whole issue why not wait for Holly to come back that's all we have to do I'll be snared if I wait for Holly can't you see that the very thing I want is to have these does here when he comes back but look, Fiverr, I'll tell you what. I've come to trust you so much that I'll take the greatest care. In fact, I won't even go to the into the farmyard myself. I'll stay outside at the top of the lane. And if that's not meeting your fears halfway, then I don't know what is. Um, okay. Here's Hazel trying to compromise, right? Trying to meet Fiverr's fears halfway as he says, right? He, um, Fiverr has indicated that he has some kind of foreboding about Hazel personally. He himself, Fiverr, doesn't really understand it, right? You're all alone, sharp and clear, like a dead branch against the sky. If it weren't for the simile at the end, that would sound fine, right? You're all alone, sharp and clear. Great, okay. Like a dead branch against the sky? Mm, maybe not so much, right? Um, but again, notice he gives Fiverr the opening, and Fiverr doesn't take it. He just go, falls back on his opinion again. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so and and it, as Nancy said, even as he rejects Fiverr's advice, he humors him. I, I, again, it's, to me, it's really easy to look at this whole passage from a pro Hazel point of view and say, even though you know there were some, you know, sort of smallish red flags before, what more would we expect? Hazel to do, given what Fiverr has told him, given what Fiverr has given him, right? What would we is is you know based on the based on the dead branch against the sky simile on that alone is he going to say, oh, okay, okay, I'll call off the raid, right? Um, I I I don't know. Um, uh, you know, Carolyn Morehouse points out Hazel would have had this problem of his leadership if he hadn't gone to the farm in the first place. But if he hadn't gone to the farm in the first place, he wouldn't have been showing this leadership again. I, you know, I, I mean, if we if we if we start the the chief rabbit question, that is, if we evaluate the chief rabbit based on what would El Herrera do, that's what El Herrera would do. Notice how in all of the El Herrera adventures so far. Elahrera, have we ever seen Elahrera just send other people to do a dangerous thing on his behalf? Right? Um, he he he. And I know, like he works in partnership with Rabscuttle, right? Rabscuttle often does really dangerous things, like when he sneaked in with the children uh, into King Darzin's palace, right? Um, and then volunteered to be the rabbit taster, right? You know, so I mean, we we saw Rabscuttle, you know, take a, but. You know that was never Elahera asking um, Rabscuttle to do something he wouldn't do, right, or to do something on his behalf. Um, uh, in Arthur points out that uh, that Elahera didn't decide to do adventures because he was worried that if he didn't, he would appear afraid. Well, no, Arthur, that's true, but I have to say, 
that's one way in which Elohera might is a pretty tough act to live up to. That is to say, nobody is gonna. There's no. If there ever were a chief rabbit whose whose leadership were secure, it's Elohera, right? Um, I mean, there are even moments where he sort of, you know, sort of suggests that if he doesn't, you know, I. Even he's not completely without the need to prove himself to his people. Um, his people wouldn't accept him if he weren't full of tricks. But, I mean, uh, he's pretty well established himself as the leader, as the leader of the rabbits, right? Um, whereas, again, Hazel is still pretty new in this whole chief rabbit thing and is still tr uh, trying to establish himself, especially with Holly remember. Holly is the new variable. Holly is the X factor in all of this proving himself issue, right? Um, those rabbits who have been with him all along after the Warren of the Snares, nobody has any concerns, right? He's rock solid there, but there's still the Holly issue. Um, so I, I, again, I think um, no, in the stories we've gotten of Elahrera, we haven't seen him needing to prove himself in that way but he's not been in that position either, so I don't think that that's quite fair. Um, but um, anyway, so one thing that I would say, again, I think if anything, Fiverr, I don't want to go so far as to blame Fiverr here and say that Fiverr's culpable, but Fiverr doesn't, Fiverr has the chance. He gives Fiverr the chance to wield his own authority and he doesn't do it. He falls back on argumentation, which it's clear Hazel disagrees with. And I think um, on uh, on some um, uh, some very some very some very good ground um, he has. Um, Mike Thurway notices that the passage that I had quoted here starts with Hazel saying, "Look here," and ends with him. Uh, uh, um, uh, seeing, can't you see that the very thing, um, you know, and, and then in the midpoint is Fiverr's vision. Yeah, he. The problem is Fiverr doesn't see, right? Fiverr doesn't, you know, and, and that's true in two senses, right? On the one hand, he doesn't see um, Hazel's sense of urgency, either about the bigger thing about getting these two does, or the sort of smaller but still important thing about being the chief rabbit, which clearly doesn't mean run no risks. And also his desire to get those two does for the Warren, again, that seems like a fourth a forethinking thing, um, the kind of foresighted thing that a chief rabbit should be doing. Um, and the only response, the only vision, the only thing that Fiverr can see is that one sharp, clear image of Hazel like a dead branch against the sky. The thing that he himself doesn't even understand enough to 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 insist on it, right? To go public with it, um, to even make it the fundamental premise of his argument. When um, you know this conversation here is what Hazel didn't do in the Warren of the Snares, you know, turning to Fiverr and say, "Have you got one of your bad turns about the farm? If you have, why not say so straight out?" And the answer is, Fiverr doesn't have that. Hazel isn't defying it. Um, here's uh, afterwards when they all think Hazel's dead 
When Pipkin had planted in himself, like some somber tree, the knowledge that Hazel would never return, his bewilderment exceeded his grief, and this bewilderment he saw on every side among his companions. Faced with no crisis of action, and with nothing to prevent them from continuing their life in the warren as before, the rabbits were nevertheless overcome by the conviction that their luck was gone. Hazel was dead, and Holly's expedition had totally failed. What would follow? Holly, gaunt, his staring pelt full of goose grass and fragments of burdock, was talking with the three hutch rabbits, and reassuring them as best he could. No one could say now that Hazel had thrown away his life in a foolhardy prank. The two does were the only gain that anyone had made, the Warren's only asset. But they were plainly so ill at ease in their new surroundings that Holly was already contending against his own belief that there was little to be hoped for from them. Does who were upset and on edge tend to be infertile. And how were these does to make themselves at home in strange conditions, and a place where everyone was lost so poorly in his, own, in his thoughts? They would die, perhaps, or wander away. He buckled once more to the task of explaining that he was sure better times lay ahead, and as he did so, he felt himself the least convinced of any. Um, this is what the one of the. I mean, it's pretty clear. Again, Hazel is obvious, or Holly is obviously the second most qualified to be chief rabbit. The way that Holly acts here, him being exhausted, dejected, um, on his return from Ephrafa, and uh, and and yet, him, you know, taking it on himself. Notice he Hazel does exactly the same thing when Hazel comes back, right? Um, he uh, the first thing he does after sort of the tussling, right, is he to just go over to the Hutch rabbits and welcome them and try to help to make them feel more comfortable. That's just what Holly's doing too, right? Um, he clearly has uh, Chief Rabbit instincts. His le his his leadership instincts are really really good. Um, but anyway, okay, so notice in the end who's right and who's wrong, right? Um, who won the argument between Hazel and Fiverr, thinking of their two sides, their two ways of looking at the question of the raid? Right, their sense of the risk reward calculation. Right, um, it's still not really clear. On the one hand, Hazel was right. Right, it was not for nothing. Right, Fiverr said, like, there's no point. It's like you're taking a huge risk for almost no. You know, there's almost no point. Right, you know, there's no. The, you know, trying to get those does here is probably not going to work. And even if it does, it's not going to do any good. Well, no one would say that Hazel had thrown away his life in a foolhardy prank. The two does were the only gain anyone had made, the Warren's only asset. That's strong language, the Warren's only asset. But, of course, it's also a strong statement in support of Fiverr's point of view that the risk was too great, right? By risking himself and therefore, you know, getting killed, as everybody thinks happened, um, he has removed a far greater asset to the Warren than the Doe's have brought, right? So um, it's clear that the loss of Hazel and the gain of the two Hutch Doe's is a net loss for the Warren. No questions, right? And yet, Hazel wasn't wrong. And a little bit of a spoiler, um, 
Hazel's going to prove to they, the does are going to be any good. Um, the, the 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 hutch does are going to be able to find a home there, and they are going to survive. Um, so um, so again, Fiverr's dismissing of the plan to go and get the hutch does and bring them back um, is wrong. He's Fiverr's assessment of that is incorrect. Um, but Fiverr's assessment of the gravity of the risk that Hazel is taking, which sounds from Fiverr merely timorous, or perhaps, um, uh, you know, sort of over-cautious about, you know, the life of, 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 of Hazel, right, the life of, of his brother. Um, you know, it's not worth you risking yourself for. Um, anyway, that turns out to be right, too. Um, so, so again, I find it, uh, I don't, even at the end of it, I, do, I still don't really know exactly where we, again, the, the, what, the takeaway from the Warren of the Snares episode is so clear, right? Um, what should have been done, you can see, you know, at every point along the way, where Hazel should have thought differently, where he should have acted differently, um, uh, you know the, the 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 moments where they were making poor decisions. You know all those things are clear, and the values behind them and what they're supposed to take from them are all clear. But the not hanger raid, not I don't find any of it nearly as clear. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> Karita says she's. Um, um, she's cheering for Holly. He might lack something of the mischief of an ideal rabbit, but he's still made of good stuff. He is. Um, Holly is. Uh, Holly's. Holly's a real. I find Holly a really appealing character too. Um, he he doesn't have the flair of most of the other rabbits. Um, he doesn't have that same spirit of adventure. Um, but he is an enormously respectable rabbit. Um, I I I I. I I like Holly a lot. Um, I want to come back to the question that we were looking at last time, the question of change and adaptation. This question of what sort of is normal or natural for rabbits and when deviating from the natural way that rabbits work is a good thing or a bad thing and how can you tell? Um, this, of course, was a major issue when with the Warren of the Snares, right, and how bizarre and unrabbit-like those rabbits were. And they were an extreme, right? They had altered their ways from traditional rabbit ways um, in many ways, in many very extreme ways, and in many ways which were clearly a bad sign. Um, but, um, but then we saw in the first half of book two, Hazel and Blackberry both making arguments that they too needed to change the traditional ways. Um, that the idea of a bunch of bucks digging regular regular burrows, right, actually constructing a warren themselves um, when the digging is normally done by does, that was a bizarre, un, you know, thing. Uh, completely sort of culturally deviant thing for them to do, something that they were worried whether the other, you know, even after 
um, you know, Hazel's authority was clear, and Hazel wondering if, if if the other, you know, Silver and 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 Bigwig were going to just laugh at him for suggesting it, right? But but they did it, right? Um, with the rec with, in, with Blackberry's recognition, change is possible, and maybe it is possible to improve. On old ways, and we see the ways that they incorporate even the even some of the ideas of the Warren of the Snare, in particular the Great Burrow, right? Um, uh, integrated into their honeycomb, or sort of adapted into their honeycomb. Um, and again, that's a good thing, right? And then, of course, we spent a lot of time last time talking about Hazel's big countercultural plan, right? Um, Let's reach out to other creatures who aren't. Let's actively work together with other non-elil, um, who other non-rabbits, uh, non-rabbit, non-elil, right? Um, leading, of course, to the uh, the 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 rescue, well, sort of rescue, uh, preservation, I guess one should say more accurately of Kehar, um, uh, and the importance, of course, that that he plays. And at the very end of class last time, we're looking at the passage where uh, um, uh, Kehar is sort of showing that, you know, even his assumptions, you know, when he saw the rabbits was that, you know, obviously we're in competition, right? Obviously the default is, um, I'm assuming since you are not my kind, that you must probably want to kill me, right? Um, and I'm going to operate under that assumption. If, you know, remember Hazel's like, rabbits don't eat birds, rabbits eat grass, right? Um, we cannot be any possible threat to you. Um, but um, what do we see? What do we see? Can, uh, here's a passage, having been thinking about that last time, here was a passage that really stood out to me as they were preparing to go to uh, the Nuthanger Farm. And this is Bigwig and his uh, uh, anti-cat training. I shall be disappointed if we don't meet a cat after all this, said Dandelion, as he waited for his turn to run at a fallen beech branch from one side, claw it twice, and dash out again. I feel a really dangerous animal. You watch him, Mr. Dando, said Kehar, who was hunting for snails in the grass nearby. Mr. Pigwig, he want you think all von pig yolk make you brave. Cat he no yolk. You no see him, you no hear him. Then yomp, he come. <laughs> I love then yomp. Um, uh, of course, one of the marvelous things, uh, one of the things uh, that Adams, I think, does incredibly well is the way he he is. Uh, he he. I think he he has an excellent ear. Um, Consistently throughout the book, he does a wonderful job of putting into words, um, either into nonsense words or into strange spellings, or even just into regular words, how things sound. Um, like, for instance, the way that he captures the sound of that one particular bird um, with the phrase, cherry do, cherry do, cherry do, knee deep, knee deep, knee deep. Um, I don't even know enough about birds to remember what species of bird makes that particular song. But I've heard that song before. I've heard that sound, and you can you can you can you can hear the songbird saying that you know the the, the with that with that melody. Um, same way the swift is always saying news news news. Um, 
uh, Kehar talks like a seagull, and even you know it's not just like they're trying to make it's it's not just that he's trying to make him have some kind of outlandish accent um, to emphasize the distance in speech between himself and the rabbits. That of course is part of the effect uh, of uh, of of his the sort of the, the the spelling of his speech, but he also does a really good job of explaining sort of how somebody with a beak would articulate uh, that is like if you don't have lips <laughs> you know what kind of challenges would you have in articulating and uh, and I he does a he 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 does a pretty good job um, you could simulate a P by closing your bill presumably right he can do pig um, but um, but he can't do j, uh, you know, because he can't make his mouth into that sound. So den yomp, he can't do th, right? So anyway, I, I, I think it's it's uh, it's 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 really it's really fascinating. Um, uh, Mike says it's the thrush. Okay, there we go. That goes uh, uh, cherry do cherry do knee deep knee deep knee deep. Um, <clears throat> anyway. Uh, But we're not going there to eat, Kehar, said Bigwig. That makes all the difference. We shan't stop watching for cats the whole time. Why not eat the cat, said Bluebell, or bring one back here for breeding? That ought to improve the Warren stock no end. Now, Bluebell's just making a joke here, right? Um, uh, and Bluebell's always making jokes, and his jokes are often, are sort of usually at inappropriate times, and often quite inappropriate. Um, this is one of, I think, one of his most conspicuous jokes, however. Um, Bluebell takes the conversation, and he takes it to an absurd level, right? Um, that the rabbits should eat the cats. Well, let's just reverse uh, the rabbit elo relationship and start hunting and eating cats or bring a cat back here for breeding, right? Both of these are, again, they're comically ridiculous suggestions by the comically ridiculous Bluebell. But they're exaggerations of what's just been happening, right? Um, dandelion spoiling to meet a cat, saying he feels a really dangerous animal. You're a rabbit, Dandelion. In fact, not only Dandelion are you a rabbit, you are the fastest rabbit. You're one of your great skills is that you are you are you're the best rabbit at running away. Right? You're the fastest of all the rabbits in the whole warren. Um you're not supposed to be fighting cats. That's not what rabbits do. Um bigwigs Assertion, right? You know, we 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 ought to try standing up to more of these ill. I think we're afraid of too many. Um, that's a fundamental change. That's a shift of rabbitry, right? Um, it's one thing to say, "Be cunning and full of tricks," right? As uh, uh, as Frith says to Elahera in the first story, um, not you know, be tough and full of fight, uh, which is big. Now, again, this is big, big. I don't think this is a bad thing. Um, I don't think, uh, I, I'm not trying to argue that Kehar is leading them on, or that big, big, sorry, not Kehar, is leading them on the path of destruction here. But I, I, just, I find this a conspicuous moment because I think that Bluebell's jokes here do send up another kind of red flag, right? Um, 
okay, yes, breeding with cats, uh, becoming carnivores and eating cats, that's more over the top, but it's the same thing that's going on pushed over the top. And the same thing that's going on is the reversal of the natural order. Um, and rabbits here learning to do a thing which is very unnatural to rabbits, and that is to become fighting creatures who take on and defeat Elil rather than deceiving them and uh, uh, and uh, uh, and and running away from them um, and outwitting them. Um, Gerald asks, uh, isn't Bigwig's idea along the lines of Hazel's doing things differently? Um, yeah, I think so, Gerald. It is, right? Um, in a sense, Hazel's idea of working cooperatively with other creatures is countercultural. Counter it's deviant in that sense. Um, uh, but it doesn't seem like a bad thing. Certainly does seem to work out. Um, and remember, it's Bluebell who says, "No, no." And that has the you know that has the the authority of El Herrera, right? That there is warrant for it uh, in in the stories of El Herrera, and that's where we get the you know the story of the trial of El Herrera. Um, this is our first class session without a new El Herrera story to talk about. Um, but um, Nancy Fosberg asks, is Bluebell making a critique? I don't think so. I, I think he's just making a joke. I, 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 he's, he's, just, he's just being funny. I don't, in general, think that Bluebell is a wit, as the 18th century would say. Um, I don't think that he's being satirical. Um, I don't think that his, his, his humor... Um, tends to have a sort of a satirical thrust to it. I don't get that. I might be wrong, but I don't get that sense um, from Bluebell most of the time. I think that this is um, what it just, by Bluebell comically pushing this idea over the top, it kind of draws our attention to, this is not just like, hey, let's, um, you know, this is not just Bigwig being Bigwig, but rather Bigwig suggesting something which would be a really big step, um, which would be, if taken to its natural extreme, or to, or, yeah, taken, taken, um, an idea which, if taken to its extreme, would lead to a, a really fundamental shift in what it means to be a rabbit. Of course, one of the reasons I'm bringing all of this up is foreshadowing, as of course in book three, we will see, we will, we will, spend some time with somebody who has taken that idea to its natural extreme. Um, more on this uh, later on, but um, but anyway, I will, uh, um, I, I, I did want to touch on that because, of course, speaking uh, of the implication I was just making, um, uh, the description of Ephrafa, of course it's General Woonworth that I'm talking about, um, but um, Look at the descriptions of Ephrafa, because again, here is now this new touch point that we have. Um, we started with the Sandalford Warren as a kind of base, the, our base framework for, 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 you know, what was normal for rabbits, but, um, uh, but, but we saw that it was corrupt in a sense, right? It had been corrupted, um, and Hazel had new ideas. 
um, for how things should be run, not just by the strongest ruling um, and, uh, and and lording it over those that were weaker, but that there should be, um, you know, better ways for rabbits to behave. They encounter the worn of the snares. They're having some experiences of their own. They're experimenting on their own, and they themselves, the, the Watership Down Warren, is growing and moving in different directions. They're going to encounter in Ephrafa another new standard, another place which is shifted, um, which is moved away from mainstream rabbitry, another point of contact and point of comparison for them, um, which is um, which I think is a really, really important thing. And we get those first glimpses in Holly's story here in book two. That's the really frightening part, the Ausla. Um, that is, um, he's just said nobody dares to go above ground, you know, when, uh, when it's not their time to go above ground. And Bigwig growls, who's to stop you, right? And how his answer is, that's the really frightening part. The Ausla, well, you can't imagine it unless you've been there. The chief is a rabbit named Woundwort, General Woundwort, they call him. I'll tell you more about him in a minute. Then under him, there are captains, each one in charge of a mark, and each captain has his own officers and sentries. There's a mark captain with his band on duty at every time of the day and night. If a man happens to come anywhere near, which isn't often, the sentries give warning long before he comes close enough to see anything. They give warning of Elil, too. They prevent anyone dropping Hraka except in special places in the ditches where it's buried. And if they see any rabbit above ground whom they don't recognize as having the right to be there, they ask to see his mark. Frith knows what happens if he can't explain himself, but I can guess pretty well. Rabbits in Ephrafa quite often go days at a time without the sight of Frith. If there are marks on night sylphlay, they feed by night, wet or fine, warm or cold. They're all used to talking, playing, and mating in the burrows underground. If a mark can't sylphlay at their appointed time for some reason or other, say there was a man working somewhere near. That's just too bad. They miss their turn till next day. But surely it alters them very much living like that, asked Dandelion. Okay. Um, notice, how are the Ephraim rabbits different? What are the principles of the Ephraim rabbits which are different? Um, I think in one sense the Ephraim rabbits are quite, the way in which Ephrafa is deviant is very, very different from the way in which the Warren of the Snares is deviant, right? The Warren of the Snares deviated by becoming, by sort of ceasing to be like rabbits at all. They became almost like the hutch rabbits, right? They became like the tame pets of the men. They became uh, 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 resolve, not resolve, that's not the right word. Um, resigned, that's the word. Resigned to their fate, right? Um, you know, rabbits need dignity uh, uh, and, you know, and, 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 and resignation. That's what, that's, those are the values of that, you know, they don't need to be cunning and full of tricks. Um, that's, that's not what, what living in the Warren of the Snares was about. And so in that way, they moved away from all of the fundamental principles of El Herrera, 
right, down to nearly forgetting about El Herrera himself and not having a chief rabbit at all. In Africa, it's a very different situation, right? We have a chief rabbit, uh, General Woundwort. The fact that he is called General is important, right? He is a military leader. Um, but that itself is okay, right? I mean, that's not obviously necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, okay, so clearly it's one of those warrens where the strongest rabbit rules by strength and force. Okay, but again, Sandalford was like that, right? Um, they are emphasized on keeping secret, on remaining hidden. That's good, right? Remember, it was one of the things that, you know, a Bigwig was commenting on as soon as they saw the Warren of the Snares, right? And as soon as they come around the corner and see Cowslip's Warren, and they're like, you know, it, it, it was as conspicuous a Warren as could easily be imagined, right? And Bigwig says, by well, every living creature... Um, so, be concealing yourself... That's good, right? Following the, you know, the dictates of your chief rabbit. That's good, right? Posting lookouts to keep watch. That's smart. The things that they do, that is the overall shape of the things that they do in Africa, are not like the Warren of the Snares, just moving in the opposite direction of rabbitry, right? Um... So what's the principle? What's the um, um, uh, what's the uh, uh, what's the difference? Where does Ephraim? Just thinking of this passage and just the the little you know, if you've already read you know book three and four, I don't want you to to draw too much on specifics from those, but just from what we see here, what we're given in book two, um, what seem to be the reasons what what's wrong with Ephrafa? why is the why is why is this a problem? what is is it that's sort of altering them here? Um, Mark really makes a really fascinating point. Mark says, uh, the more I listen to you read and analyze, the more I think of a Bronze Age epic. City-states, heroic leaders who actually lead from the front, the stealing of females. It seems so much like a Bronze Age epic. Doesn't it, though, Mark? Um, yeah. Uh, in fact, I've been waiting to talk about this, be but I think we actually can now. Um, those of you who are familiar, um, and I think Tom Hillman isn't here today, unfortunately. Tom, I was hoping you would be here, but I know you'll be listening. Um, no, Tom, you are here. Cool. cool. Um, uh, what the, the closest parallel that I find uh, with Watership Down is actually Virgil's Aeneid. Um, if you think about the shape of the story in Virgil's Aeneid, um, it's very interestingly parallel uh, uh, <laughs> to, 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 to Watership Down. You've got uh, the small remnant of the society who flees the destruction uh, of their old city-state, and they embark on this dangerous journey for this homeland that has been revealed to them in prophecy, where they will be safe and uh, where their line will flourish, 
and uh, they, along the way, they try to settle uh, at a place which is not the place where they're supposed. You know, they they for a time try to deceive themselves uh, into believing that this other place that they land in is is the place where they where they are going to end up. And so I'm thinking uh, not primarily in the Aeneid of Carthage, but of Crete uh, when they land there and believe that that's the land that they were supposed to go to. It's like. Uh, to their country, um, but yet there's still there's a there's a there's there's a female right there's Lavinia. Um, he has to he has to get Aeneas has to get a wife uh, in order to establish uh, his uh, his 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 house and his line and his new kingdom uh, there. But there's a native warlord who has to be overcome. Uh, and the native warlord is the greatest warrior uh, that there is around, and uh, even Aeneas himself is perhaps not going to be able to uh, to measure up uh, to the mighty native warrior Turnus uh, in that case. It, it, it's it's kind of cool uh, actually how it um, how it how it works. Um, I suspect that of being a conscious parallel on Adams's part. Um, but uh, uh, but anyway, so Mark, I think it's not an accident <laughs> that it sounds like a Bronze Age epic. Um, I think in, it, the, that is to me um, that that kind of story, that 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 kind of ancient epic story, um, is very much is 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 what this this story is much. It's, I'll say it the other way around. This story does strike me as being much more like those kinds of epic, not just with a specific. Um, parallels with the Aeneid, um, but it's mu it's much more like that kind of story um, than like uh, a lot of uh, a lot of modern novels. But anyway, um, I want to go back to your um, your answers to my question before of where exactly, like in what direction does Ephrafa really seem to be going wrong? Um, okay. Um, Chris Swank says, security over personal freedom. Yes, that desire to exchange security, um, uh, to exchange personal freedom for the sake of security. Um, notice that there's a sense there of not sort of, uh, you know, just moving away from traditional rabbit principles entirely like the Warren of the Snares was. Almost like taking those principles too far in one direction. Um, the chief rabbit is supposed to be Elahrera to his people, right? Okay, so it's the chief rabbit's job to keep the rest of the rabbit safe. Yes, and Woundwort seems to be doing that here, right? Um, uh, but to such an extent that now none of the rabbits, or the none of the the rank and file rabbits in Ephrafa are now like rabbits at all. Now your average Ephrafan rabbit doesn't have any of the 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 characteristics of a normal rabbit, right? He doesn't have, um, or at least he cannot satisfy the curiosity or the spirit of mischief or adventure, right? Um, good, as Nancy was just quoting that, they don't have the spirit of happy mischief. Exactly, the spirit of happy mischief is made illegal in Africa, right? Um, 
And it doesn't seem that Woundward ever has the spirit of having mischief either, but we'll see that a little bit more clearly when we meet him. Um, but anyway, again, it's the, the chief rabbit is supposed to look after his people, but there's looking after your people, and there's marginalizing your people, right? Um, the Afrofans are kept so safe, and they're, uh, they're kept under such strong watch, right? They are protected. Uh, boy, does Woundward do a great job of protecting his people. Right, um, but they're so sheltered um, that they um, that they lose the essence of rabbitry themselves. Um, that at least is one of the things that we clearly get from them here. But clearly, their ways are being changed too. Again, it seems like a small thing, but from a rabbit point of view, it's a big deal. The fact that they uh, they have to do all those things underground—talking, playing, and mating in burrows underground. Rabbits do most of these things. You know, I mean, yeah, like underground is good for sleeping, and in the winter you stay underground, but, you know, it's not normal for rabbits to be living most of their lives underground. Um, the burrow, which is the place to hide, right? Um, you, know, being a, you know, being in a place where you can't get below ground makes rabbits uneasy, right? But being confined underground and only being let out once a day or twice a day... Um, that's again it's sort of the you know your safest underground in your burrow right that's a normal rabbit thing this is taking that normal thing um to what becomes what rapidly becomes a perverted extreme um something which becomes a violation of normal rabbit behavior preventing normal rabbit behavior the burial of raka as well um that's um a, Another thing which might not sound too crazy to a human uh, point of view, but from a rabbit perspective is deeply unnatural, right? To bury your droppings like a cat. Remember how Holly pointed that out when they were traveling, when the four envoys were traveling to Ephrafa, he said that they, were, they, they buried their raka like cats. Um, uh, they, they, you know, that is not like rabbits <clears throat> for a specific purpose of stealth uh, and caution. Um, in this dangerous mission, they did this unnatural thing because they had a good reason to do it. But it's not how rabbits normally live. Okay. Um, yeah, Thomas Johnson points out the precautions uh, the rabbits of Watership Down take to protect themselves uh, allow them to live happily and basically as they want. Um, Woundwort's methods are so severe that the rabbits in Ephrafa are miserable and can only do what they're told. Yes, exactly. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a very different... Um, uh, this is a question of means and ends, right? What are the ends that you are going for, and do the means justify the ends? Um, this is, uh, I think, one of the big questions of Ephrafa versus Watership Down. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, a little bit more on Ephrafa. This is Woundwort <clears throat> when they, uh, when, when uh, Holly and company are finally brought into the council borough. Oh yes, he says, you'll stay, uh, but there'll be no further occasion for you to take up the council's time for the next few days at any rate. 
I said that seemed very hard. A request was surely a reasonable one, and I was just going to ask them to consider one or two things from our point of view, when another of the councillors, a very old rabbit, said, You seem to think you're here to argue with us and drive a bargain, but we're the ones to say what you're going to do. I said that they should remember that we were representing another warren, even if it was smaller than theirs. We thought of ourselves as their guests. And it was only when I'd said that, that I realized with a horrible shock, that they thought of us as their prisoners, or as good as prisoners, whatever they might call it. Well, I'd rather say no more about the end of that meeting. Strawberry tried all he could to help me. He spoke very well about the decency and comradeship natural to animals. Animals don't behave like men, he said. If they have to fight, they fight. And if they have to kill, they kill. But they don't sit down and set their wits to work to devise ways of spoiling other creatures' lives and hurting them. They have dignity and animality. I love that word, by the way. Um, yes, uh, this is uh, one of Strawberry's great moments, right? Uh, Strawberry the Statesman. Um, uh, yeah. And, and he is an ineffective statesman in the sense that he does not carry his point. Um, but, um, but he, uh, nevertheless, he speaks well and in this, uh, uh, in, this, in this highly moving way. Notice also how the principles that he's arguing are basically Hazel's principle, right? Um, animals don't behave like men. Um, they, uh, they, you know, the, the they talked about the decency and comradeship natural to animals. Um, and that seems to be stretching a point, actually. I'm not sure Strawberry's quite right about that. It seems a bit of an exaggeration. I can remember Kehar's response. Um, the natural reaction of one animal to another doesn't seem to be comradeship, exactly. Um, but nevertheless, his the, the distinction that he draws between uh, animals and men, uh, you know, that sort of the the, the the shadow contrast or even the shadow um, uh, opposition that he puts between humanity and animality uh, is nevertheless, I think, really well taken. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Thomas points out that uh, the... Uh, the principles Strawberry articulates are also opposed to those practiced in the Warren of the Snares. He's grown a lot since leaving his first home. Absolutely, he has. Um, you know, his his. We can see sort of the the wisdom that he has <clears throat> grown in from uh, the his time uh, with uh, with Hazel and the others on Watership Down. Um, Yes, of course, in the Warren of the Snares, they did sit down and set their minds to uh, spoiling other creatures' lives and hurting them, right? It wasn't exactly like that. I mean, they were really just, in a cowardly way, trying to increase their own odds, right? But um, but anyway, um, he, uh, he, he does... Um, you know, it, it certainly does show that he, he gets something here, right? Um, or he has gotten something since since he left Thomas, as you say. Um, yeah, good. Um, anyway, much more on Ephrathah later on. But this question of what is... You notice, you know, he, again, he talks about what is what is natural to animals, right? Um, 
don't behave in a way that is that that deviates from the way that you know from from basic animality, right? Um, it's not just that he's saying, you know, at the Warren that we come from, we have a superior moral structure to yours, right? Um, and you should look at things from our point of view instead of your own, in that sense, right? Um, uh, instead, he's arguing for something broader, for a broader point of contact, and implying that the way that they're acting at Ephrafa is in fact deviant in exactly this way, uh, in that most horrible of ways, more like men, right? Another moment which, um, uh, which really um, strikes me um, as uh, uh, being a, an interesting sort of data point to keep in mind um, is uh, Kehar's longing. Uh, he's, of course, speaking to Hazel about the Ephrafa plan. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, help you forget mothers. But now he's this, Mr. Hazel. Always I want pig water now. Always, always. Is hearing pig water? Want to fly to pig water? Now soon you go forget mothers. I help you how you like. Then, when you're getting mothers, I leave you there, fly away, no come back. But I come back another time, yeah? Come in autumn? In winter I come live here with you, yeah? We shall miss you, Kehar. I love his yeah? Again, you can hear the seagull in it every time he says it. We shall miss you, Kehar, but when you come back we'll have a fine war in here with lots of mothers. You'll be able to feel proud of all you did to help us. Yeah, will be so. But Mr. Azel, when you go, I want help you, but I no want wait for pig water. It's hard now for stay, you know? This what you do. Do him quick, yeah? Just as Kehar is drawn to the ocean. He cannot stay in land in the summertime. It's just he can't do it. Always, always he's wanting pig water, right? He just, he, it's, it's not about getting a mutter. It's too late for a mutter for him this year, right? Um, he, he's missed the mating season and he knows it. He's resigned to that. But, um, uh, but he, still he, he 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 can't stop that longing for the sea right it's just part of who he is um and i think it's an important reminder it's an important recognition of this you know it's not just there's there's more here than simply cultural norms. I've been using that kind of language, right? You know, sort of rabbit culture and rabbit society and rabbit tradition, right? We've passed down these traditions from El Herrera and, you know, sort of the myths of El Herrera and, uh, you know, it gives us this sort of, you know, our, our, our society, this sort of mythic structure. Um, okay, but... Um, but, you know, our society might develop and grow in new and different ways, right? there is a sense, there's a framework, there's an overriding framework there. Um, there are still these basic facts that none of them question. Notice, for instance, also how none of them question the fact that when the hutch does go into heat, right, when they're ready for mutter, as Kehar would say, um, uh, th then the bucks are going to fight, right? I mean, Granted, nobody says, "Boy, let's um, let's uh, uh, 
let's all agree not to argue. Let's find some peaceable way to decide who is going to mate with the two Hutchdos when the time comes, right? No one even suggests that. Everyone's like, we're all going to scratch each other's eyes out. It's just, it can't be helped. It's what's going to happen, right? Um, anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because four of you at the same time, Nancy, Karina, Arthur, and Gerald, uh, are all, uh, we're all in the same minute uh, comparing uh, Kehar to the elves with the sea longing. Um, yeah, see, look, I'm trying not to make lots of Tolkien references. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, yes, yes, it's a different, it, it's, it's sort of a different form of sea longing. But, um, uh, but anyway, it's just that there are these, there are these natural impulses which are not just normative in a kind of a cultural sense, right? It's not just you know, a cultural framework that's been inherited from your ancestors in which, you know, there are taboos against deviating from. There are some things that they can't deviate from that are just natural to who they are as animals and how they act. And they can't, any more than Kehar can just decide, um, I'm not going to be a seagull anymore. I'm going to now, I'm going to move into, I'm going to come live in and become a permanent member of the, uh, of the, of the, of the, of the Warren here at Watership Down, right? He physically can't do that. He has to go to the ocean in the summertime. Now, in the wintertime, he would fly inland anyway. So if it's just a question of where do I go when I fly inland, he's going to say, I'll come and I'll live with you in the wintertime, especially because you guys feed me and that's awesome. But, um, but in the summertime, he's gonna he, he's he's he can only ever live with them half the year. That's all. Um, uh, that's all that can possibly. I know Nancy says I'm not sure he's been invited to be a permanent member of the Warren. Uh, no, 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 not exactly. He's kind of presuming upon his welcome there. But, um, but anyway, again, the point is there are limits, right? He can't. I mean, for him to live in community with rabbits like this is deviant. It's unusual. It's weird, right? Uh, you know, Kehar, in the fa in as much as he is growing in friendship with these rabbits and is gaining respect for the rabbits, especially that relationship of mutual respect that uh, Kehar and Bigwig develop, um, uh, you know, they are, um, that, that, I mean, it's, it's really charming, right? I mean, you know, it, it, Bigwig and Kehar could totally, like, you know, star in, a, in like a, you know, a a buddy action movie together, uh, but <laughs> but they um, and I just love Mister Pigvig. Uh, it's it's my favorite of uh, of 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 Hazel's names or of uh, Kehar's names for the for for the for the rabbits. But anyway, um, uh, the, the their community, their new and you know culturally deviant community is charming, but but it has its limits, right? At the end of the day, he's still a seagull. And he has to do what seagulls do. Um, and again, I think this is an important reminder when we're thinking about Watership Down and the way it's changing, when we're thinking about Ephrafa and the way that it has changed, when we're looking back at the Warren of the Snares. We have to remember that I, I do not believe that Adams will allow us to understand that rabbit life is in fact infinitely flexible. It's not. Um, there are certain parameters that simply 
won't really change or and certainly shouldn't really change they should not actually hunt and eat cats nor bring them home for breeding um but uh okay And one more topic I wanted to talk about tonight, but I've kept you guys really long, and I think I'll save it for next time. Um, and that is looking at the supernatural stuff. I want to look at Fiverr Beyond. In Fiverr Beyond, in this set of passages, in this set of chapters, um, we got a lot more um, about uh, uh, the whole world that Fiverr goes to. We learn, uh, we get sort of more details out of uh, Fiverr's mouth here, describing what happens and how it happens, um, these visions that he gets. So as we, uh, as we move towards, um, as we move towards an increased understanding of what's going on with Fiverr. And to me, one of the things that's most interesting about that is trying to understand the broader framework of this secondary world that we're seeing. Um, uh, what, are, what, what is, you know, to what extent can we see sort of rabbit theology, rabbit spirituality? Fiverr is one of our clearest glimpses into that supernatural world. Um, because it clear, you know, from the very beginning, it's been clear through Fiverr that there is something in it. There is more there than simply, um, you know, their natural senses and the conclusions that clever and mischievous rabbits uh, can draw and things that they do. Um, so, but I'll look at that. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll save that for next time, um, and we'll, we'll start there. Um, so, don't forget. Send me emails. Uh, email me uh, questions and topics that you have. If there are things that you want to, uh, um, if there are things that you want to talk about that we haven't hit on, if there are questions that you have, uh, please, please do send me those, and uh, we'll, we'll get in as many as we can get of those next time. Uh, again, next time is very short. It's just this coming Wednesday. We are. We should be meeting, hopefully, no further disasters uh, will happen in my home between now and then. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, that's what I hope we will uh, we will be able to accomplish in normal class on Wednesday. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for being patient and for joining me here uh, out of due season. And uh, I will look forward to uh, talking to you guys in a few days. Good night, everybody.